Seed With Money podcast, an initiative of the Spending Planners Institute. Do you want to have less money stress, find solutions to your everyday money problems and take control of your life? Nobody fails with money on purpose, so every week the Succeed With Money podcast explores the causes of money stress and the solutions so our listeners can succeed with money. And now it's over to our hosts, David and Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. Happy New Year. Welcome back. <laughs> remember, remember at the end of last year, we finished up by talking about living 2021 on your terms. Here we are. It's 2021. <laughs> wow, it is. Happy New Year, David. And yes, welcome back to you as well. Um, wow, 2021, hey? Living life on our terms in 2021. What does that even look like? Well, that was the challenge that we, we put out to people at the end of the year, and I think we said it was very possible. Um, what does it look like? Look, you know, I don't think it means that you've got to be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. I think living life on your terms means being able to choose what you want to do and do it pretty much when you want to do it or know that you'll be able to do it in a time frame that you're okay with. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting that you say that, David, because um, I know today that we've actually got something pretty exciting to share with our listeners because we, um, we had, before Christmas, we actually had a chat with a young girl who is very much living life on her terms, isn't she? She is, yes. And I don't, we, we became aware of her because we saw her on A Current Affair. Mm-hmm. True. And this young girl, um, her name is Madison Pickering, and there might be some of our listeners out there who are aware of Madison and perhaps even saw her story on A Current Affair. So we're pretty yeah. excited today that we can actually um, we share the chat that we had with Madison and we can um, start to learn how Madison is actually very much living life on her terms. Let's go over that interview and hear what she had to say. Fantastic. Thanks. Let's do it. So, Madison, welcome to our podcast. Thank How you for are having you today? me. I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. Now, you you um, came to our attention from an appearance on A Current Affair, and why you were on A Current Affair was because at the tender age of 19, you've actually purchased your own home. And that's a little bit extraordinary because most people at 19 – are buying cars and socialising and spending their money on fashion and what have you. Yeah. Um, so good on you. Um, I'd like to get some insight into how you've gone about this and why you've gone about this. So um, what was it that made you decide you wanted to, to buy a house? Uh, I guess I should probably start to when I started saving money which was 11 years old um they gave us a yellow pouch called dolomites at school and that opened my first commonwealth account that i still have to this day and i still use as my main saving account um and that just it, it just sparked something that i want money in there so anytime i got any birthday money christmas money it all went straight there anytime i did any little jobs around the house if i got pocket money it all went straight into there and then as soon as I turned 14 and nine months, which is like our legal age to work, I applied to McDonald's immediately and was successful pretty much straight after. And I worked for, I think, around two years straight whilst also studying in high school before I left um, and finished up in year 11 for high school. I graduated with an OP of eight, which was pretty also extraordinary to graduate that early. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was a toss up of like, 
do I want to go to university and spend all my money on a degree I'm not even sure I want to do or do I want to use my money and put a deposit on a house? It wasn't a hard decision at all. (laughs) Right. Well, something that you've just said that I think is extraordinary is that at the age of 11, 12, 13, when you earned some pocket money or you were given Mm -hmm. some birthday money, you didn't want to go and spend it on on dolls or whatever it is that girls are spending money on. (laughs) No, I, I was very... I've always kind of been like that and you cannot like anyone who talks to my mom, she's like, she's always been this way. I always, I couldn't spend money. It pained me physically to spend money in a sense. Why do you think that is? I, I don't know. My mom was a ex-banker for, well, she is an ex-banker now, but she was a banker and a broker for 20 odd years. Um, And she knew a lot about money and she wasn't as successful in a younger age. So I think she instilled a sense of save your money in us, which made me think, okay, I need to save my money. Cause I think she wanted me to have a much better upbringing into my teens and early like adulthood than she did. Cause she didn't get into buying her house until her mid thirties. So did she often give you little tips and pointers and sort of words of wisdom around money? Or like, did you hear her saying things to other people that sunk in or, or, bit of both really she was because she was an ex-banker she would tell me like stories about people she was doing loans for and like how they're really struggling with money and she was like if you save all your money you won't have to have a struggle like that which was I guess more of a pushing point there um but she yeah no she was definitely a key point in my money saving okay so the other the other thing that you said that I think is quite um poignant if that's the right word uh, significant is probably a better word, mm-hmm. is this decision about going to university and getting a hex debt or spending all mm-hmm. of your savings for something that you're not even sure you want to do or to just go out there and get started? Um, did you have, like, what kind of courses did you think you might be interested in? So I graduated high school in year 11 with an OP of eight and I had done psychology in year 10 throughout the rest of my high school as well. And it was something I was interested in and I was accepted into a Bachelor of Behavioral Science and I had the money to pay the course outright, which was great. And if I wanted that degree, I could, but it was really, I don't even know if this is what I want to do. So I didn't do that. I got a part-time job um, working as a media um, manager and then it eventually went to full-time and I realized I'd much rather be working right now, saving more money so that I can buy a house. And because I don't, I didn't want to do that. And I was much happier doing what I was doing. And I think I always tell people do what makes you happy. If spending all your money makes you happy, go for it. (laughs) It's bad advice. I know. But if, if you, you don't want to live life with regrets or unhappy, like saving my money and buying this house has made is makes me happy. And that's, that's what has come out of it, which is great. Right. So you, you only worked at Macca's while you were at school? Yeah, pretty much. I, it was mainly part-time, but almost any shift I could get, I took. It was like they would – we had a uh, work group chat and they would type in, I can't make my shift tonight. Can anyone take it? And I was like, yep, me, I can take yep. it. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially Sundays because it was double pay. I'm like, I'm a free Sunday all day Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not to say I didn't have a social life either because a lot of people think 
when I've told people I've bought this house and I've been saving for so young, they're like, well, make sure you have a life and make sure you have friends and a show through life and make sure you live a little. And I was like, I've lived more than people old, like double my age. Like I've traveled all around the world. I've been to multiple countries. I have a loving group of friends. I feel very like, like I have lived a good life that anyone could have lived whilst doing this as well. Okay. And how old are you? 19. <laughs> a woman of the world at 19 oh, not not the world but because um, we used to live in Darwin so going to overseas countries in Asia was really cheap it was $50 for a flight to Bali and back right. that's because that's it was so close it was a two hour plane ride sometimes like that's yeah. So I've been to a lot of Asian countries over there and I last year was in Texas. Um, I paid for the flight myself and I spent um, a month in Texas over there and it was great. I had so much fun. <laughs> I was having traveled the world, just a few countries, but I've, I've, I've definitely lived. <laughs> okay. Carolyn, did I cut you off on a question there a minute ago? Um, no. Well, I, I was just going to say, um, Madison, just <sighs> – Having done so much already at such a young age, Mm -hmm. and you did say that um, it hadn't really, you know, saving all of this money hadn't really affected you having having a life. How do you think your friends, when they looked at you, did they want to emulate what you were doing? Did they want to do the same sort of thing, or were they busy just, you know, living the life of what we we would consider a normal teenager? I guess I don't think any of them really realized how much I was saving and how like aggressively I was saving as well. Um, Which I think I, I probably could have helped them out in a sense, but I, they never asked. I don't think they knew. I don't think it ever came about, but as the me buying a house has come out, they've definitely been like, I want to be like you. How do I do it? And I was like, well, when you get paid and you get your paycheck from work, don't go and spend it all in one hit. <laughs> Put it away. Great <laughs> advice. That's, that's what they do. My, gen- my generation is flawed in a sense like that. All of my friends, as soon as they receive their paycheck from work, it's gone. Yeah. Because they're paying back last week. Expensive. Yeah. And like my friend, he's um he has like, he's getting paid this week from work, but he can't spend any of the money because he has to pay off like four afterpays and he has to pay off a car and he has to pay like rent. Like he, do- he doesn't have, he's getting the money, but he doesn't have it. Yeah. yeah. So, so have you been able to sell by sponging off mum living at home or? Oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's also another great advice is live at home as long as you can. I don't think I have sp- Bunged in a sense, but she—it's definitely would have helped living at home. And I—I'm very fortunate in the sense that I know some kids my age don't have the luxury of living at their parents' house. But if like you do, it is very possible. But then again, I did did still have to pay for my own things. Like especially when I got a job, it was like I'm not going to pay for these things anymore because you you have your own money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in one of the podcasts that Carol and I did earlier in, in 2020. We were talking about, um, you know, living at home for as long as you can to, to, to because you don't get the opportunity once you mm-hmm. partner up and start a family and yeah. your life sort of gets into that mode, that, that opportunity is gone. So we were yeah. sort of saying, well, young people who are listening to this, you know, sponge off mum and dad for as long as you can because mm-hmm. that opportunity just doesn't come back. 
mm-hmm. you can't you can't go back and live there. So I mean, you can, but I don't know if they'll be too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my daughter and her husband and her fourteen year old daughter and her twelve year old daughter and her eight year old son have done just that at the moment because oh, they've no. sold the house and they're about to build another one. But, oh. um, it's it's temporary. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, if you definitely have the luxury, do live at home for as long as you can, because I, when I was younger, I was like, as soon as I turn 18, I can't wait to move out because you just, I wanted that independence. But then I realized as I got older, I'm like, oh, wait, bills, mortgage, more bills, more bills, rates. I don't, I don't want to pay for that just yet. I I like my money. (laughs) Yep. Saving it too. So so would you say that, that it's, that you have a really high paying job. Is that been the secret to you being able to save up the deposit? No, I wouldn't say I have a high paying job. I was um, for about two years in this job. I worked pretty poor hours whilst the business kicked up a little. I was on, on about $300 a week, which um, living at home definitely helped that I didn't have to pay out all those expenses. But I, I would not say I'm on an extremely high paying so, job, no. So you were earning only about $300 a week? For about a year and a half, I would say, yeah, maybe longer. Okay. Because it was and, only part-time. Right. And that was the only job that you had? Mm-hmm. So, so anybody listening thinking, oh, yeah, well, she must have a, you know, 100000 a year income or something. I wish. <laughs> yeah. That's a total fallacy. So... So you've just bought your first house. How did you do that? Obviously, you've said to us that you've saved a lot of your income since you started at the age of 11 when you yeah. decided this is what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but how like, how have you gone about it? You've saved a lot of money, but you, you made it this. Why did you decide you wanted a house? Was that like some people go, I want a, a car or I want a holiday or whatever, but you go, I want a house. Why a house? My, for, for, since I was about 16, I knew I wanted to have property because my ultimate goal since then was that I want to own so many, like so so many properties that it's passive income and I wouldn't have to work if I didn't need to. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where I'm getting, like, that's where I want to get to. And getting my foot in the door so early is, was the key to get to the point when I'm a much older adult that I might not even have to work because people are paying rent off on my properties and it's passive income for me. So if you've been reading books or studying other people who do that? I would like to say yes, because it would make me sound more like professional and like (laughs) I really study up on this, but it just, spending money, I just couldn't do. (laughs) Like I, when we went overseas, um, I had my own money to spend. I would see something I liked like oh mom look at this you're like you have money oh, I don't like it that much anymore <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how it went <laughs> so so you just worked out for yourself that that buying house a house mm-hmm. um so because I know when I was 19 I had no idea how you would even go about buying a house I had no idea that houses went up in value Oh yeah. Or, well, actually, the land goes up in value, houses go down in value, but real estate in general goes yeah. upward. Mm-hmm. So even the concept of buying a house, holding it for a while, using equity to, to no idea. So where did you get the idea from that this is what you might want to do? 
because my mum was a banker and a broker, she was extremely helpful in the sense of like, if you buy a house, this is what you can have. And like, this is what you get and stuff. So like, especially during the whole process of the house buying, she was there at like every bank meeting and every house meeting as my little, like my personal broker, (laughs) my supervisor that she would just like kind of make sure that I was doing the right things because I didn't know a heap, but I definitely could have learned. It's just that she was there very just to help with everything and that's that made everything a lot easier definitely right i remember madison um you you told me the story of when you first went to the bank for a home loan Uh, um share that story with us yeah so when i first applied for my home loan with commonwealth i went to them directly i had had the same account with them for 11 years i thought I, although I don't have credit history, I've been a great banker. They can see I've been saving this money since I was 11. There should be no problems. They came back and told me that because um, you're 19 and you have no credit history, we can't give you the loan. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. And they uh, they told me, maybe go get a car loan and then get your credit up and then come back oh, for the house loan. And I, I was appalled. And my mum was, because the phone was on speaker and my mum was right next to me and she was just like, oh my God. They also asked if my mum could give me a small loan of 30 grand, which was disgusting. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, who's, who's going to do that? So I hung up the phone. The next day I got onto a broker that dealt with Commonwealth. They resent through all my stuff and it was approved at 10%, which oh. I thought was, it was, it was dumb, but it was, it worked out. <laughs> well, what I find appalling about that is that the bank would even suggest to you to oh, take out a car loan. I know. Mm-hmm. When, when I heard that, I was just like, are you kidding? Like there, I thought there would be some type of like applaud that I have had all this money saved up and that they would think, okay, well, she obviously isn't spending it crazy. She's been saving since she was 11. She's been with Commonwealth with the same account for 11 years, but it, it meant nothing because <laughs> I didn't have credit and I was young and it just, it meant nothing. It's just amazing, isn't it? That just, that story floored me the first time I heard mm-hmm. it and it just floored me the second time I heard it again. Yeah. Yeah. Quite incredible. Right. There's a whole lot of connotations. I mean, advising a 19-year-old to buy a car on finance, Mm -hmm. that's culpable. I mean, To build my credit history so I can come back and buy a house. I was like, but if I buy a car with credit, I'm not going to have the money money to to give it to the house. So Mm -hmm. I I just thought it would have been like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You're buying a house. Let's see what we can do for you. Not go take out a car loan so you can get some credit behind you. Yeah, and that's because there were some changes in the credit law in Australia five or six years ago that basically said that we're now sort of following the American system where you have to take out loans and pay them off to prove that you are creditworthy. Which is silly. Previously, if you didn't have any black marks against your name, that, that was all that was required. Yeah. You know, if you hadn't defaulted on something, you, you were equal to everybody else. Because so. I've never had a loan all, mm-hmm. all that was behind my name was nothing. <laughs> there was no credit yeah. history and that wasn't good enough in a sense, I suppose. <laughs> all right. So you've got your first home and you, you, from what you said before, you're obviously working on the yard. and, and well, Handover the... hasn't happened yet. Handover happens right. hopefully next week. The bank valuer comes out tomorrow to, you know, look at the house, make sure it's there, make sure I haven't scammed them. <laughs> and then they, they value the house at whatever it was and the contract prices like that. And then 
pretty much, I think Monday, I'm hoping that handover will happen. And that's when I get the keys and I can do whatever I want to the house. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. What a lovely Christmas present. For yes. You. I, oh God, I want to be in there for Christmas so bad because then my mum can come for Christmas. My grandparents can come for Christmas. <laughs> Christmas and buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Big party. So some, of the, yeah. some of the things that you've talked about, like you obviously understand, like, evaluation has to stack up. I mean, I wouldn't have understood at the age of 19 about evaluation mm-hmm. or that, you know, so you clearly understand, I mean, do you know what the percentage is, what that the bank is looking for on the loan to valuation ratio? <laughs> I know what a, I know what valuation is because my, uh, my mum probably, she explained it a bit more, but you, you can kind of understand from the word value. It's more that they're just, they want to make sure that the house that, they're giving me the loan for isn't like less than what they've given money for so they want to make yeah. sure all the stuff like that was in the contract that adds up to the final price is all there yeah so there's a, a three-letter acronym lvr which stands for loan to value ratio so have, do you know that acronym <laughs> so basically if you go to to the bank to borrow money if your LVR, your loan to value ratio is 80% or lower, you don't need to pay lenders mortgage insurance, LMI. Um, I'm not sure whether you've had to go with lenders mortgage insurance or I not. I do believe so just because that was, because I was so young with no credit history, I did have to have mortgage insurance there, yeah. Yeah, well, if, if you've borrowed with an LVR of more like 85, 90, 95%. Oh, I know what, I know what it is now. Yep, yep. So if, if, well, if you borrowed 100%, if you had a $300,000 house and a $300,000 loan, that's 100%. Yeah. You know, it's, um, um, it was around 80%, I believe. Now that I know what you're talking yeah. about, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, did have to take mortgage insurance, yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and look, for any young people listening in, that certainly is a way to get started in real estate. When you don't have a big deposit, You, the bank will take out an insurance policy, which you pay for, um, but at least you can get your name on some real estate at, at a, you know, with a lower deposit. My, my advice is definitely go through a broker because they will make the experience of dealing with banks a lot easier and uh you don't pay them, which is great. They get the money from the bank. Right. But it just makes it easier because they know they have a higher status at the bank as well. So when they process loans, they know that they're either probably going to get approved. Otherwise, they won't do all the work to process them. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's a great tip. What are some other tips that you would give a, another young person who's thinking, well, I'd like to be like Madison? Live at home for as long as you can. Don't spend your money on things you don't need. If you want, if you have your savings and you want something, don't just buy it because you have savings there. Save up for the thing as soon as you want it. That's, that's something I did. Like I could have had 15 grand sitting in my bank and I wanted this $20 top. I didn't just go buy it because I had the money there. I waited until I got my paycheck and that's $20 out of that. And I knew it was coming out of that. So it came out of your pay, not out of your savings. Yeah. So then like, I, I knew that it said $20 was coming out of that paycheck and the rest was going to savings. And I didn't, I, I did not touch my savings unless yeah, it was yeah. like urgent and I needed to, cause I, well, I really didn't like seeing the number go down. <laughs> cause that's what I mean. <laughs> on a phone with NetBank, if I saw that number drop, I was like, Oh God, I don't, I, I didn't want to look at it. it made me uncomfortable. 
Carolyn, from a spending planner's perspective, do you pick up on some um, some things here that might <laughs> pretty much like what spending planning is all about? Oh, it, absolutely, David. And I think, um, as Madison said, I mean, you know, you've got a fantastic savings plan in place. And especially this year, we've just come through COVID. There are a lot of people who didn't cope with COVID, who lost jobs, who didn't yeah. have any sort of buffer of money. You had that money there so that if if the worst case scenario happened and, and you you know, you lost your job and you didn't have anything and you had to use that savings, at least you had that money there, yeah. you know. Um, but also the other thing too is that you were looking at um, waiting for something and I often say to my clients, you know, um, delayed gratification is an amazing thing, you know, and rather than doing the whole afterpay thing, I know you mentioned afterpay earlier mm -hmm. about one of your friends who yeah. had several afterpays. Um, they're so dangerous and I'm just so pleased oh, yeah. that, um, you know, that you haven't gone there. Um, I did once. I I thought I don't want to spend all this money right now. I, I had the money, but I didn't want to spend it because I don't like to see my account go under. I was like, oh, you have to pay. <laughs> yeah. It stressed me out that I paid it off within the first day. <laughs> like I, <laughs> money stresses me out because I don't, like I, I didn't want it to like reflect badly if I missed a payment. I was checking it every 20 minutes. Like, do I have to make a payment now? And I didn't have to make a payment for two weeks. And do you know, off. Madison, um, <laughs> the, the, the value of having a spending plan, the absolute value, and I know you talked earlier about uh, you were good at budgeting, but um, with a spending plan, because it actually projects the future, you, you could have actually put that on after pay if you wanted and then just put it into your spending plan, allocated that money to be paid automatically, you know, the day before it was due for the next three or four weeks or whatever, and then it was done and you wouldn't have had to think about it, right? And David's also um, always very big on saying we shouldn't ever give people money before they actually deserve it. There's a lot of people that pay their electricity um, monthly or, or fortnightly or weekly sometimes so that they don't have a big bill at the end of three months. But the value, again, of having your money in a plan that, that says in three months' time, oh, here's your $400 for your electricity or mm -hmm. here's your $800 for your registration or here's your $500 for your, um, for your rates. The money is always there and you can see that it's going to be available at any given time for the next 12 months. So that's the very powerful part of, of actually having a spending plan for your money. Um, so, yeah, but what I want to know, Madison, and I know we're going to run out of time very shortly, um, but I want, what I want to know is you talked about this being your first house. Um, I want to know what comes next. So what, what's the plan? Second house for sure. I um, I, th I think I'll live in this for a few years. Um, the government grants have definitely helped. I won't lie, which is the builder grant that's come around for for COVID and mm -hmm. the fifteen thousand for the uh, first homeowners. Yeah, yep. those have definitely helped. Um, and I think when I can and that house is almost close to being paid off, I think I will be buying my second house and renting the first one out is the goal. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, there are a couple of things that you might need to learn about that because um, I'm not, it doesn't sound like you've considered tax deductibility, but one uh, of the yeah. things, well, you have. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean is it becomes a, um, 
I forget the word. It's if I have to live in the house for over, I think it's 12 months for it to not become an investment property. Yeah. And if it becomes an investment property, you get taxed differently instead of a homeowner. Yeah. But if you live in it for 12 months and then you rent it out, you're not, it's not considered an investment property. Yep. Yep. That, that's, that's all true. The, the thing that I was, if, if you paid that house off and then moved out and purchased another house using finance, you've actually got a, an asset that you own. Mm. So you've got no interest attributable to it that you can claim as a cost against the income coming in in rent. But at the same time, you're living in a house with a loan that you're paying interest on and you it's not tax deductible. Yeah. It would make a lot more sense to live in the house that you own, borrow money to buy a house, a second house, and rent that house out because all of the interest on that loan is an expense against your rental business as opposed to living in the house that that you've got, that the interest is a personal debt, not a business debt. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something that I would not have had a clue about at, well, even at probably 25 or 30. <laughs> yeah. So, so there but, are lots of little bits and pieces to learn, but you were well and truly on your way. So. Yeah, I'm definitely still a few years down the track that I want to get the second house, but it, it definitely will be happening because, like I said, my ultimate goal is to own mo- multiple properties that it's passive income um, at the end. Yep, yep. Good on you. I think the other thing that when I was starting to get into real estate was I, I – um, Bought a block of land and built a house and the total cost was $73,000. <laughs> and a year later, I sold it for $115,000. And I thought, wow, I know how to make money. You yeah. buy a block of land, you build a house, you get the gardens established and you sell it and you make money. Um, well, I eventually worked out that houses go, they, they get daggy, they go mouldy, they mm-hmm. they need to be repainted. You know, 10 years in, the kitchen's falling apart, everything looks shabby. Houses lose value, blocks of land gain value. Mm-hmm. So it's the real estate, it's the actual earth. The more of that you own, the better. So. Which I brought in the very early stages of the current estate that my house is being in. It was stage two. Yeah. And the whole estate, um, it's on stage three now, but it'll eventually be connected to a much bigger estate that has formed shops. So the property value will already go up. And I know that will already go up because of how it's going to be built in. And because I've brought so early, it was quite cheap. Yeah. And now the property value just go up because it's merging into that other estate. Yeah. And and so very good on you for working that out because usually when a developer is starting a new estate, they will sell the first blocks off cheap to get some momentum. Yeah. With As the stages go, they put the prices up. So buying in the early into an estate is a great way to – because as soon as stage two and three and four and five get released, because the new blocks are dearer, guess what? Your block automatically goes up in value. Yeah, because as well. they've already gone up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lots of great information here um, coming out in this. Thank you so much for agreeing to have a chat with us. Of course. Happy to. Anytime. Yeah, no. Any other questions, Carol? I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of extra questions that we can ask. But <laughs> I think there is, comment. but I'd, I'd love to um, keep an eye on our young Madison and get her back 
you know, um, for another session because I think she's got a lot of valuable advice that she can give to our young people. And it's just so important. As David said earlier, Madison, we've been doing a series on kids and money and um, just training kids and teaching kids from, you know, pre preschool, before school, um, all, the way, all the way through. And you've given them some excellent tips today we've talked to some pretty amazing young people and um it's just been so lovely to have a chat with you and you know find out how a 19 year old can have their house and as you said earlier anyone can do it any 19 year old can do what you've done I mean it's not like you've been earning big money along the way but you've chosen to you know to save it and and do all the right things so good on you well done. you do it right you can do it yeah absolutely thank you so much madison we've appreciated your time no no problem well that was inspirational stuff i think we all want everything now but life's not like that and madison's definitely kind of going about what needs to happen to make life happen on her terms well, yeah, she's such an inspirational young young girl, yeah. really. When you consider David, you know, at 14, she made that decision that she said, you know what, I want something different and this is what I want. I want my first home, right? Yeah. And so, and then she just worked toward that. She she really, and, and I know I've talked often about, you know, it actually being, a mindset thing we we can make these mindset decisions at different ages in our life and it doesn't matter whether you're making that decision at 14 or at 24 or at 34 or 50 really it's or about 64. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly but it's about <laughs> wanting to make a change or deciding that you actually do want to live life on your terms um, yep. because she's obviously you know it's possible yeah, and look, I think there'll be some people who listen to that interview and say, oh, but she was lucky because, you know, her mum was was very money savvy as a mortgage broker and, you know, she was able to help put her on the right path. But, you know, I think every one of us has opportunities and in our lives, you know, there are circumstances that work for us and there are circumstances that work against us. And you can use any excuse you like to say, oh, you know, I can't do this because of my circumstances. But at the same time that you're doing that, there'll be somebody else who's saying, you know what, I'm going to do it in spite of my circumstances and nothing mm. will stop me. Mm. That's and, right. and it's just a glass half full rather than a glass half empty attitude. And she's definitely got a, a half full attitude. Oh, Totally. Yeah, totally. And when you consider, David, um, you know, her mum, yes, she was a mortgage broker and, yes, she was money savvy, but she was also a single mum. I have no doubt that she struggled raising that raising Madison on her own and she obviously yep. made some really good life decisions and really good life choices and she taught Madison how to make those good life choices as well, which is fantastic and any one of us can do that, you know. Yep. As parents, we should be an inspiration to our kids, and obviously Madison's mum has been. Mm, totally, yeah. Yeah. So um, 2021 is ahead of us. It's a, a brand new year, and living life on your terms in 2021 is definitely possible. You know what? You may need to change your mindset around what's important to you and you know, definitely need to set some goals, but it certainly is possible. Yeah. And you know what, David, we've often said in the past, you know, and we'll keep on saying it, nobody gets a gold medal without help from a team <laughs> of people around them. Hey, yeah, um, yeah. 
So for everyone listening, if you want to be successful with money in 2021 and live life on your terms, you really do need to talk to somebody, you know, talk to a spending planner. That's what we're about. We love helping people get to that point where they can actually live life on their terms, right? So find yourself a spending planner. Spendingplanning.com is where you need to go to do just that. Yeah. You know, we're looking forward to seeing every one of our listeners having success with money this year. Um, obviously, we do this podcast because, you know, for no other reason than because we want to see people become more successful with money and to be able to live this year and every year on their terms. And you know what? I One thing that really helps us along the way, we love to get feedback. We love to hear from our listeners. So can I suggest anybody listening in right now, Send us an email, admin at spendingplannersinstitute.com and let us know if we've helped you in the last year, if there's anything that we haven't done that you'd like us to do, any topic you'd like us to talk about. Um, Yeah, we'd really just love to hear from you. Or you could post your thoughts or your questions on the Succeed With Money Facebook group page as another way of communicating with us. Look, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, I encourage you to join It's a great place to get answers to your innermost questions about money. Just search for Succeed With Money podcast within the Facebook community and just put in a request to join the group. Succeed With Money is a podcast series by the Spending Planners Institute. We look forward to chatting with you soon when we'll be continuing the conversation about money because nobody fails with money on purpose. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye for now.